Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. We, uh, we've, we're coming to a close on this year's um, uh, MIT group. You can go ahead and put that PowerPoint up there, Tiffany. Thank you. Um, this is the ministers in training. It's just a small group of people that felt called into ministry. And so we just took some time uh, every week to dive through. I think we did six books this year. So we, we went through six different books. They each have had opportunities to preach. Um, they've had opportunities to give these sermonettes um, as well as um, hold, a, hold a whole service on their own to, to preach. Um, and so we just um, value those that are, are like, you know, I think I'm called and I want to grow in that. We're like, amen, we want to support you. Um, and that really get, brings us to the growth track as well. We want to connect with you. And so our growth track, which starts on July 10th with First Step, is really, can we get grounded together on what we believe and make sure we really are on the same page with the Word of God? Are we on the same page with prayer and fellowship? So if you're new here, this is really an introduction to not just how to live the Christian life, but you get to see kind of the way that we uh, operate together as a community in this small group. Kevin and Micah are the ones who lead that small group after church for four weeks over the month of July, starting on July 10th. Um, and so we ask that if you're new here, you do attend that. It is a bring your own lunch uh, event. So you just come, stay, eat some food. When we're done, hang out, eat some food, and then um, you'll have a great small group. Um, and so make sure you sign up in the back so we know uh, who to expect. If you have kids with you, um, we are more than happy to have your kids here with us as well. Um, so, you know, if we need to do something for childcare or create some fun activities for those four weeks, we are happy to do that. So you parents can focus on um, making sure that you're connecting here at Harvest and with um, each other as you learn each other and learn how to grow and, and um, all of those different aspects, okay? So does that make sense? Um, after that, in the growth track, we have what's called Next Step, and this really gets into what is our mission and vision and culture at Harvest Valley. It really helps you get to know who we are at that point. If uh, somebody wants to become a member, uh, we're like, here's an application, and, and you can become a member of Harvest Valley uh, and we go through that whole process of membership. Why is it important? Did you know that church gathering is actually really important? Some of, like, I think in our t current culture, we kind of like, well, take it or leave it maybe. Um, but the first word, time that the word, um, uh, if, let me start a little bit further back. The Septuagint, okay, is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, okay? In the Septuagint, it's very interesting to see which words they use in the Greek that are actually Hebrew words. So these are Hebrew scholars that know Greek. There's 70 of them, which is why they call it the Septuagint, which means the 70. So the, they take these uh, Hebrew, um, the Hebrew scriptures and they turn it into Greek. Well, the first time the word ecclesia is used is at the base of Mount Sinai. After they've come out of Egypt, they're at the base of Mount Sinai, and God calls together all of the children of Israel to a, a corporate 
ecclesia, a corporate gathering, the whole nation to come to war. Why? Because they were about to go to war. They, they actually, the first time the word ecclesia is used in the Old Testament, that same term, is for the, the marching orders to be given on how to go to war. This is not, like we're so used to consumer Christianity. Well, I'll just, I like this, that's good for me, and I'll take that, and I'll go, I, I like that, and that. I like their worship, but I like his preaching, so I'll show up here for part of that. No, we're here to gather together as a community to get marching orders. How are we going to win the culture? How are we going to win the battles that we have to face in front of us, each of us personally and as a group? Well, this is why we gather together. That was a freebie. I just was thinking about it. Just thoughts ruminating. So um, here at Harvest Valley Worship Center, we are a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. That is the vision that God has given us. Um, And let's just uh, make sure that's on. Okay, hey. We are a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. For this year, God told us that we wanted to be a present-driven culture of empowerment. What this means is that everything that we do, every single day of our lives, is to have an encounter with the living God. We need to have an encounter with the living God every day. I don't care how busy you are, God will interrupt you if you ask Him to. And his timing is always perfect. So might, you might not like it, <laughs> but God's timing is always perfect to interrupt your busyness. So we need to be consistently saying, God, I want to encounter you today. One of the things that the Lord has had me doing this year is to practice this model prayer. And praying through it every single day, asking for an encounter with him and increased revelation of who he is, who I am. And as we pray through it, it has been absolutely amazing to see the revelation that came out of this prayer. Because I, I didn't realize that give us this day our daily bread really meant God, you are always my supplier, and no matter how good of a gathering, no matter how hard I work, you're still my supplier. And your supply is going to show up even when I don't work for it. Lord, help my heart rest. Help my heart rest about provision. Because God, you are the one who gives us manna in the wilderness. Things like that have been just super powerful. We had a great week last week talking about forgiveness. Uh, it was a very powerful week. If you haven't watched it, you can go online to hvwc.com and just click on sermons. And it's last week's sermons right on the homepage. It's like right there. Just scroll down. Boom. There it is. <laughs> Got a thumbs up. So I, I believe um, one of the things that the Lord has had us do is build some technology around the church because our online presence is just, it's not the church, right? We can't be like, oh yeah, we're going to do chat rooms for small groups. No. What we are doing, though, is trying to create avenues and pathways for more people to connect with what the Lord is doing here and to support what the Lord is doing here and hopefully feed some people who aren't able to get here, okay? 
So we, we've, we've done that. So you can look at last week's message on forgiveness. It was um, powerful. I heard a lot of people saying they never really realized that their forgiveness of others was tied to their forgiveness from God. Even though it, God says it over and over and over and over, we go, la, 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 grace. <laughs> you know, like we just like, we miss the whole point. And so we really... We really dug into that, and it was very powerful. Um, and so, and I've been praying all week that each one of you would learn to walk into that revelation, that you would live in such freedom that you no longer go back to bondage. So today is one of the more difficult passages in this prayer because it creates confusion. And so, what we are going to do is we are going to all together, and I, I like maybe let's do an old school more traditional version of reading the scriptures. Will you stand with me? We are going to read through the model prayer. I know. Careful, I might make you kneel. <laughs> all right. We're going to read through Matthew 6, 9 through 13, all together out of the New King James. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is good and it is true. And I thank you that your word is our offensive weapon. We don't have any other ones. You didn't give us armor with a bunch of offense. You just said, here's my word. And so, God, we thank you that this prayer is, is the protocol from heaven, from the Lord Jesus, for us to walk through life with you intimately and to be overcoming in every situation. And we thank you, God, that you are present here and that your presence is tangible. I pray that you would just speak within my voice. I lay myself down and I say, Lord, speak. Your servant is listening. And we bless your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So we're on this, uh, on this verse, uh, verse 13, the first part, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And, and I'm just going to be real blunt with this. God doesn't tempt us to sin. Amen. All right, let me just get that out of the way because some people get confused around the language of the word temptation and, and all that kind of stuff. So let me just start. God does not tempt us to sin. James 1, 12 and 13 says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. That's pretty straightforward. All right. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Okay. So where do temptations come from, right? Temptations to sin come from within, okay? Two places, from within, right? If we keep reading, verse 14 of James chapter 1 says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Temptations to sin also come from the devil. 
from the evil one. This is the other place where temptations come from. We know that the temptation uh, in the garden with Eve is the origin of fall and sin. So it was the devil tempting Eve. Okay, now we also see that Jesus was tempted by the devil as well. So sometimes the temptation isn't you. I just, I feel like we need to deal with this. Some of you have beat yourself up for thoughts that come across your mind. And can I just tell you sometimes that ain't you. Sometimes the devil's whispering in your ear to make you so full of shame that you know that you like put distance between you and God. No. Like when the temptation comes or the thoughts pass by, I... I just blame the devil for all my bad thoughts. I'll just tell you what I do. Every time I get a thought, I rebuke the devil. I'm like, nope, Satan, nope, nope, evil one, you get no authority here. Nope, just cut it off. Why, why, why would I feel comfortable doing that? Well, I don't know if anyone's in Christ or new. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Maybe that part of me that hasn't fully died yet needs to die, and the devil keeps pointing to the old, the old man who's already dead, trying to get him to live. I'm like, no, that man's dead. That sinful part, that's dead. Nope, devil, you don't get that influence. Amen? Just a thought. In uh, this prayer, the word that Jesus uses for temptation is paresmos. It's an experiment. Let me tell you what the definition of temptation is. According to Thayer's, an experiment, a trial, a proving, an attempt. So, do not lead us into experiments. Do not lead us into proving. Don't lead us into trial. This is pretty cool. We're going to have some fun with it. Because I think as we unpack this, we're really going to get some freedom today. We also have to remember that God empowers our ability to overcome sin and any temptation that that. Um, is given to us. Anything that leads to a sinful temptation, any temptation, it is God who gives us the ability to overcome any tests, any trials, any proving, any experiments the devil's trying to do on us, right? Anything like that, like he's the one who empowers us. Second uh, Corinthians ten thirteen says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. See, it's God's the one who leads us out of temptation. When we are feeling tried and tempted, it is God who is faithful to strengthen us to overcome that temptation. Now, as a good father, because how many of you remember, how do we begin this whole prayer? Our Father, 
right? I think our is important because whenever we pray this prayer, it's bigger than me. Our Father, right? He, 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 Jesus teaches us to pray in community and actually start this prayer reminding yourself by the word our of community and our Father, our Father. He is our good Father who's, if you translate it literally, if we go back to the first week, our Father who is in the heavens, right? So he is the Father over this earth, over the spiritual realm, and he's Father in heaven, which is where his glory is, where he resides. So he is the Father, our Father, anywhere that we go. Any place that we go, he is still our Father. So we have to remember that as a good Father, we follow wherever he might lead us. See, Jesus often taught from the lens of classical rabbinical teaching. And we've been discovering some of this in this series. Like certain phrases like, give us this day our daily bread, actually had tremendous significance of the day. Because did you know that, that young men in this culture, part of their upbringing was to memorize the first five books of the Bible? They had to memorize the Torah. That was just part of their upbringing. So the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those five books, they memorized Leviticus. Lord have mercy. Okay, so, but let me tell you, they got the law in them. One of the things that's interesting is that one of the most, most used stories used to teach life lessons was the children coming out of Egypt and into the promised land. Okay, so this book of Exodus is a primary teaching tool to rabbis. Primary. Primary teaching tool. And so when, when Jesus says that lead us, the phrase lead us, whenever the rabbis would say about God to lead us, it was the picture of the pillar of fire by day and the cloud by night. It was a picture of God's presence floating around the wilderness saying lead us means where your presence goes, we will follow. Where your presence goes, we will follow. So whenever the rabbi would say, God, like in a prayer or referencing God, lead us. It was this picture of the, of the pillar of fire and the cloud. Now, what's interesting here is obviously we know that the pillar represents his presence, right? The pillar of fire. Like he's like, I will be with you in the pillar. I am right here. I'm in the, pre- this is my presence and I'm going to guide you and I'm going to lead you, Right? So the phrase, lead us not into temptation, has less to do with sins, temptations. Like, we have a negativity bias. (laughs) Did you guys know that? Like, when you look at most any situation, the first thing you're going to see is the negative. Like, any situation. Think of any situation. You're you're already going to think, oh, that, that could go wrong there. Like, we have this negativity bias. And so when we read this, we think of the negative with the temp, with temptation and testing. Right? We automatically think, oh, it's talking about sin. Maybe not. Because God doesn't tempt anyone. So what is Jesus talking about? So when he says, lead us not into temptation, 
It has less to do with the temptation of sin and more to do with God's leadership in our lives. Of course, God's concerned about your sin. Of course, He doesn't want you to sin. Like basics. Right? We got that? God doesn't want you to sin. Are you guys good? Okay. Great. All right. Just make sure we're okay. We understand that. We all have a propensity to give way to our appetites, don't we? Right? I don't know. Anybody else try a diet? But that's not the primary purpose of this phrase. When referencing God's leadership in this prayer, we are asking the Lord to lead us and we are declaring that we will follow Him wherever He leads us. We are going to follow Him wherever He leads us. When the Israelites finally leave Egypt, right, through this miraculous deliverance by way of ten plagues, the parting of a Red Sea, the swallowing of an army, What's interesting is they come across and now they're in the wilderness and instead of making the beeline to the promised land, God says, no, come over here, right? Actually, we got some work to do on y'all. We got to get some Egypt out of you because we're not, you, you ain't ready for your promise yet. Say not ready. They weren't ready for their promise. Now, what he does is he then takes them over and guess what? They're starting to get thirsty. They're starting to get hungry, right? And it says this in Exodus 17, Exodus 17, 1 through 7. Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set on their journey from the wilderness of sin, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped in Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Say, no water. Therefore, the people contended with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? Huh. The people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Notice they're following who? They're following the cloud of fire and the, the pillar of fire and the, and the pillar of smoke. They're following the pillar and they're in a place and they're thirsty. Give us water. We're going to die. So Moses cried out to the Lord saying, what shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb and you shall strike the rock and water will come out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place Massah, which means temptation, and Meribah, which means contention. Because of the contention of the children of Israel and because they tempted or tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? They could see the pillar. The picture is that the presence of God led the children of Israel to a place where they were tempted. 
They were tempted to doubt God. They were tempted to doubt in his provision and in his ability to provide them with water. The key here may be to not participate in testing God. How about we not complain about his path? Here's the way I've considered this. It's a complex issue. And I have considered the complexity of this issue. And to better understand this, I thought, you know, parents, have you ever been on the way to a special location? You got something fun in store. You got something good in store. It takes a little bit of time to get there. And on your way, suddenly you hear, are we there yet? Then you hear, I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. Jane, drink all my water. In that process, are you leading your children to death and starvation? (laughs) Yeah, the kids are like, maybe. (laughs) Seems like it. (laughs) But the reality is that they're not going to starve. And they're not going to die of thirst. Am I right? Like you're not going to let your kid die of starvation on the three-hour car ride to the Silverwood or wherever you're going, right? See, your kids don't know that the feeling of hunger they have will not kill them. Right? It's painful. I don't like being hungry. I don't like fasting because I get hungry. Of course, I love that mom always dips in her giant bag of snacks, a.k.a. her purse, right? And has water, snacks, everything that the kids need. Oh, yeah, I saw this coming. (laughs) Here you go, you know. Make sure that they got everything that they need. And and the dads are like, let them suffer a little more, you know. Like, it'll be fine. So this will help mature them more quickly. Deal with it a little bit. What's interesting is God's doing the same thing here. He's leading them through the wilderness and he's taking them to the promised land, but it's taking longer than they like and they're experiencing thirst, they're experiencing hunger, and they're complaining about their situation to God. And God calls it tempting him, testing him. We have to trust that God will not lead us into a trial or proving that he is not involved in. I've been really thinking about this because I've, I've been like, does God put us into trials? And I've been looking at it. I got an immediate yes from somebody. I think that there are a lot of trials that happen that have nothing to do with God, but God works the trial. I think a majority of our trials probably aren't from God. He's good. He's always good. Everything that he does is good. He's always in a good mood. Did you know God's always in a good mood? He's always in a good mood. It says that he laughs at his enemies. Who does that? We know that um, Job was tried and tested and God allowed it, but it was not God testing Job. He allowed it. Who was testing him? Thank you. Satan was. Who is annoying Paul to the point where where he's begging God to give him some relief? Well, the scripture says that 
It was a buffeter from Satan that was annoying Paul to the point where he's begging for relief. And I wonder, as new creations, as sons of God, as children of God, can we trust that where God leads us is always a good place? Sometimes we don't follow because we think God has a really big stick and he's waiting to get us to a certain point and then he wallops us. Some of us have that internal belief about God it is false. That is a lie. It is not true. It is not true. God put all of the punishment that you deserved in your flesh by your sin, by your faults. He put it all on Jesus at the cross. All of it. All of it. All of it. All of it. So guess what? He's not looking for ways to punish you anymore. He's not. Some of us have been blaming God for the devil's work. And that's called blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Just to be real. And if that's you, repent. God changed my mind. Forgive me, I do not want to believe that anymore. I don't want to agree that you've got bad things in store for me. I uh, disagree with this concept that, well, every time I start following Jesus, bad things happen to me. Um, did you know that following Jesus comes with a price? Did you think it was going to be easy? Did you think that it was fairies and butterflies and you were just going to float through life now, now that you follow Jesus? Are you kidding? Did you know that you're in war? Did you know that it's one of the most exciting wars you'll ever be a part of because your God is bigger than your enemy? What if, what if, Oh my goodness, I'm going to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. And all of a sudden, all this stuff comes in. We go, ha, 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 ha. Jesus laughs at his enemies. He's in me. I'm laughing at you. Ha. What if we flip this around a little bit? Instead of constantly being in a place of, woe is me. I'm struggling. I'm battling. I'm from the seat of victory because that's the seat Jesus paid for. Listen, the evil one wants to tempt you for your failure. God's plans for you are only good. God's plans for you are only good. Only good. God only has good for you. So listen to this. Well, let's consider this parent analogy again. Okay, do good fathers protect their sons and daughters from every single danger all the time? No, they do not. No, they do not. How will, how will a kid learn to walk? How will a kid learn to ride a bike? And at some point, the kid's like, get these training wheels off of here. I got to go faster. Right? I mean, there, there's just this reality like, no, dad, I'm going to use the skateboard. No, I'm not doing it in bubble wrap. 
you know? Like kids, when they're growing up, they learn to use their bodies. They're learning how to walk out identity. They're going to take risks. They're going to figure things out. What does a good parent do? A good parent is going to make sure that there's healthy boundaries for the kids to not kill themselves. Right? Like, no, you're not going to do wheelies on the railroad tracks in front of the house. In front of my house, I got trains coming by all the time. I'm like, mm. But when they're teenagers, they might hear it coming. Let me just tell you, a good parent is going to set some wise boundaries, but they're also going to teach their kids how to think. They're going to teach their kids, this, listen, this is a situation that I found myself in when I was young, when I was your age, here's the situation that I found myself in. And let me tell you, here's what it took to overcome that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to impart to you the lessons that I've received, and you may have to try it out a couple times to figure this out. But let me tell you, there is a good way through this. Now, I'm going to pray for you. I want you to be able to share with me that trial. I want you to be able to be open with me and tell me about that. Because I don't need to protect you from yourself. And I don't need to protect you from anything, actually, because God is your protector. I want them to have such a solid foundation that I'm going to listen to the Lord. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to take risks. And maybe if I learn how to partner with God as a youth, to take God risks as a youth, take the right risks instead of the wrong risks. I was having a conversation with Chris Pierce uh, last week, and it was funny because we were talking about fixing, fixing things. He's a small engine repair guy, and so he's talking about fixing something, and he's like, yeah, I'd try and figure it out, you know, but my dad would just, I'd just be like, dad, I need it, and he'd be like, nope, you got to figure it out, which he learned a lot from. Learned how to figure things out because dad was like, I'm not solving that problem for you. You took it apart, put it back together, Right? I mean, it's kind, of, it's kind of a cool thing. So oftentimes, God being a good father will let you struggle your way through some learning how to make some decisions and learning how to overcome in certain areas and learning how to do that. It doesn't mean that he's not, he's not leading you into the testing. But he's giving you the freedom to be tested. Are we okay? All right. James 1, 2 through 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials or temptations, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Did you know that when you're in a trial, when you're in a test, God actually has an upgrade for your perfection in store for you? If you, leave, if you follow him. Later in James 1, we read this earlier, blessed is the man who endures temptation or testing for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love them. See, God is faithful. He is faithful to carry us through any trial. And he is our advocate and rewarder. At the same time, we know that the Bible says, 1 Peter 5.8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, 
walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. When Jesus tells his disciples and he tells us to pray, do not lead us into temptation or testing or trial or proving, but deliver us from the evil one, he is declaring God's good nature and asking for divine protection from the enemy's tactics for your failure. When Jesus tells his disciples and us to pray, do not lead us into temptation, testing, trial, improving, but deliver us from the evil one. He is declaring that he's saying we need to declare God's good nature and asking for his divine protection from the enemy's tactics that are set out for your failure. The devil wants you to fail and he wants you distant. So when we pray, we say, Lord, don't lead us into temptation. Father, I will follow you wherever you go. And God, I, I know that if there is testing, I'm following you and I'm going to be okay. Right? Like I'm, I'm just acknowledging that you're good. Right? Don't lead me into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. Deliver me from the evil one. Now I want to take us back to this rabbinical analogy of being led in the wilderness and this place called temptation. Notice that God's presence in the trial repositioned the children of Israel to be finding God on a rock. Right? When we're in Exodus 17... He says, I'm going to put my presence on the rock. And then when you come to me, I'm on the rock. When you come to me, I will make water flow. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Jesus said that his word was a rock on which we are to build our life upon. Jesus said that the revelation that Peter had, that he was the Messiah, the Christ, the son of the living God, was the rock on which he was going to build his ecclesia. When we are in trial, God will lead us. He's not going to lead us into the trial, but he will lead us to the rock in the trial. He will lead us to Jesus. Notice that also that when we come to the rock, when we're in a test, when we're in a trial, we come to Jesus. We come to the rock. He will satisfy your thirst. What is your need? He's got it. You might not even know what your real need is. He does. He will satisfy you. Water flowed from the presence of God from the midst of a rock. John 7, 37 says, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, 
Let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of this heart will flow rivers of living water. When we're in trial, when we're having difficulties, when we're tempted, we've got things happening in our life, we do not blame God. But we come to the Father. And when we come to the Father, He says, come to my word, come to the rock, come to Jesus, the chief cornerstone. Do you know that the Bible says that Jesus is a, is a stumbling block and a rock of offense? Like, everything hinges on Jesus. Everything hinges on who he is. So when we come to the rock and we say, here I am, here's my need. I'm starving. I'm thirsty. This is where I'm at. Listen, if we come to him, he will make rivers of living water flow. He will begin to satiate your thirst. And I think in every single trial, every single one of us is thirsty. We are thirsty for a touch from heaven. We are thirsty to know his presence. We are thirsty to hear his voice. So come near in the trial. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Is God, I will follow you wherever you lead. I trust that you are not the one tempting me. You are not the one in charge of this trial. And I believe God, that when I come, you will make rivers of living water flow in me. He will empower you by his spirit. Come to him in the trial. His plans are good. Will you stand? Hallelujah, Lord. I just feel like we should pray for a little bit um, and just seek the Lord on this because many of us actually need to get our hearts cleansed, right? We need that, that, that rivers of living water to cleanse our hearts because when we've entered into difficulty and we've had hard times, we actually have put God in charge of that and we've blamed God. And so we just need to deal with that in our hearts first. And, and sometimes many of us have gone through some deep, deep seasons of pain, deep seasons of loss, deep seasons of real torment. And I'm just telling you right now, God is good and he has good in store for you. And in the midst of that, even if you're going through it right now, you can come to him because he is good and he does love you. He wants the best for you. So Father, we're asking right now in Jesus' name that you would just bring a cleansing and a purification, purify hearts and minds right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Father, I'm asking that you would Awaken in our own hearts the reality of who you are and where you are. Who you are and where you are, that we'd become suddenly aware that you are good and you are, we are not to tempt you by blaming you for evil. We cannot blame you for evil. We know that you're sovereign, but that doesn't mean that you're, you're, um, 
commanding robots to move around the earth. God, there's things that are happening. But in this father, son, and daughter relationship that we have, you're interested in being with us and being here for us through whatever life may bring. So Father, I'm asking in Jesus' name that you would reshape our thinking about your goodness. Reshape our thinking about who you are in the trial. Reshape our thinking about who you are in testing. Reshape our thinking about where are you in the season of a wilderness? Where are you, God? I thank you that, God, you are always present to be found. Father, in those moments, I thank you that you are upgrading us, that when we complete the trial, we're approved, receiving the crown of life. We need you, God. We need you. We are desperate for you today. Father, I ask that right now, every heart that feels heavy because they don't know how to find you outside of their pain. I just sense a few of us in here, really, we've only related to God when we're in deep pain. I'm going to say, God wants you to come to the rock in your pain. Tell him what your needs are. And then let the river flow. Receive what he is giving you. God did not withhold the water from the contentious people. He didn't withhold the water. He didn't withhold the water, guys. He didn't hold it back. He's not holding it back from you. So God, I'm asking right now that you just pour it out in Jesus' name. The next thing I think we need to address is that for many of us, when we've experienced trial, we take over. We take over. We feel testing, we feel tempted, finances are getting uncomfortable, so we work harder, or my marriage is, is rocky, so I isolate, or you know, we do different things in response because we try to control and we try to fix it, we try to be in charge of it. I just believe right now that this, this concept, God will follow your presence wherever your presence lead us. I will not in the trial, in the testing, in the temptation, whatever it is, I will not take control of this ship. I am not going to take control anymore. I'm going to follow your presence, God. I'm going to follow where the pillar of fire takes me. I'm going to follow where the cloud at night goes, where that pillar of smoke goes. And I'm asking, God, open my heart. Open our hearts. Open our hearts, God. Open our hearts. So that we can trust you. Father, we repent. We repent for taking control in the trial. We repent. God, change our heart. Change our mind. When we think that our way is better than your way, God. Forgive us, Lord. And we lay our expectation down. We lay our desire for a smooth sail down. 
God, no matter what the winds bring, no matter what storms may come, you are right here in the boat. You are right here with me. And I thank you that I can turn to you at any moment, that I can rest like you rested in the storm. I can be with you right in the middle of it. So teach us, God, to trust you in the middle of our trial. Come on, just let the Spirit of God begin to work on your heart right now. If he points out specific circumstances or different moments that kind of flash in in your mind of times when you took control, just say, Father, please forgive me for that moment. I choose to trust you as you lead me. I choose to trust you. Come on, just when those things come up, we're going to take a moment. I believe God just wants to do a mass healing right now throughout this room for all of us control freaks, for all of us people that just grab on to control when things get hard. We're just saying, God, we let go and we will trust you. Just let him work on you. He'll point to some areas where you're even doing it now. Just let him have it. Say, God, I'm going to give that to you. I release it into your hands. I trust you. Teach me how, God. Teach me. God, we declare our commitment that we will follow you. No matter what is happening in our world, we give our lives to you. We submit our will to your will. Father, you were very clear. Jesus, you were so clear that the kingdom would cost us everything. So we lay our lives down again before you. We lay our businesses before you. We lay our income before you. We lay our marriages, God, before you. We lay our children, those things most precious to our heart, God, we give them to you. We give you our parents. We give you our workplace, our friends. We give you this community, God. We put it on your plate and we say, God, you can have them. They're yours. I will no longer try to be the author of what happens next here. I surrender all to you. Lord, we thank you that we can come to a place of every day encountering you. Father, I thank you that you actually draw nearer to us when the heat is on. You don't go further away. You want to be closer. So Father, I pray that you would just transform our thinking and and the way that we see the world, the way that we see you to match what your word says. God, I thank you so much that we can follow you wherever you go and be safe with you. We reject every lie of the enemy 
Uh, Will everybody put your hand on your heart real quick? Will you say this with me? Heavenly Father, I give you my heart. I give you my mind. I give you my soul. I will trust you wherever you lead me. No matter what the circumstance, I will find you. I will come to you, the rock, and I will receive your living water. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm excited for what the Lord is doing. I'm excited. This series has been super fun. We got one more week, Father's Day next week. Come, fathers, mothers. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, And we bless you. If anybody feels like um, you want some prayer support, you want a a breakthrough, um, I'm going to have a couple of our leaders come up. Um, In fact, I I feel like I want to do this a little bit. um, I want to do something um, prophetically, maybe. Actually, because Kevin, Dennis, John, will you come up here real quick? you'll notice that none of our wives are here today. All of our wives have been struggling with illness this week. Let me just say, coincidences don't happen in the kingdom. Y'all can come up on the platform. Yep. Will you pray for us and our wives as the leaders here? We're the core team. This is the elder. This is, we're the ones leading this army, this movement. And we need your prayer. Our wives need your prayer just dealing with different types of illness, I, I believe that, that this corporate prayer will break some things off of what's happening in the spiritual one because we're actually pressing into breakthrough. God is doing some amazing things in the lives and hearts and the devil looks for any way to try and create a temptation for us not to run to God or try to solve it in our own flesh or do something like that. We just say no to all of that. We say yes to the Lord and we've been interceding I just put, said, guys, we got to intercede. We got to go to war for our wives. Will you, co- will you intercede for all of us this morning and just begin to pray? If any of you, feel free to come up and grab the microphone if you feel like you've got an appropriate prayer. <laughs> feel free to pray that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In fact, Charlene, will you come? She's our head intercessor. Can we pray in the spirit? Please, out loud, out loud. Let's call on heaven. Let's call heaven down for our sisters. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you. We praise your holy name. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we bless you and we thank you for these mighty women of God. We thank you, Lord, that they belong to you. 
We thank you for the preciousness of their lives. We thank you for who they are in the body of Christ, Lord. And we say to each one of you, rise up and be healed. Rise up and be healed in Jesus' name. Rise up and be healed in Jesus' name. We speak to the sickness and the, the, the disease. We speak to the viruses in Jesus' name. And we say, no, no, no more. You can't go any further. And we command you to turn around and let go. Turn around and let go and release these women of God in Jesus' name. Release them in the name of Jesus. And we say, women of God, rise up and be healed. Walk in wholeness, body, soul, and spirit. Father, it's not just about their bodies, but we speak to their soul. And we say, be healed. Women of God, be healed. We speak to their spirit. Women of God, be healed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We reach out to you, Jesus. Jesus, we reach out to you for our sisters. And we take the hem of your garment. And we receive your healing for them. We receive your healing for them. We lower our sisters down. Jesus, we lay them at your feet. And we receive that healing for them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Charlene. If you're not familiar with uh, churches that speak in tongues, we do. Um, it's a gift from the Holy Spirit, just because in case you want some context for some of what just happened. Scripture is very clear that speaking in tongues is for all believers. It's not just for some, it's for everyone. Um, it is one of the fruits of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's available for anybody who would want that. When we pray in the Spirit, we are not understanding necessarily what we are praying, but we are the Spirit of God intercedes for us and begins to pray for us as we speak things out of our mouth. This is why it's called a heavenly language or a spiritual language. Like we don't know what's being said, but we do know that the Spirit is interceding for whatever the issue is. Paul says, I... I wish that you all spoke with tongues. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 14, 39, he says, do not forbid the speaking of tongues in church. Pretty cool. So if you want uh, more information about that, I'm happy to share that with you. I just wanted to provide context for anybody here that was unfamiliar with that. Um, And uh, we practice it often. I do daily, (laughs) all the time. So, um, We just bless you. Thank you um, to the leaders, Kevin and Dennis and John, for for interceding for my wife as we've been interceding for each other's wives. We believe that there's a dramatic breakthrough coming here, which is why there's some attacks happening. So we're super grateful that all of you pray for us as well. With that, we bless you. Say hi to one another. Feel free to stay as long as you want. Do whatever you need to do, but bless you. You guys have a great day. Adopt a cop. There you go. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.